Welcome to Enigmatic Metallic Podcast, where we respect fashion's past, analyze fashion's present, and get excited about fashion's future. I'm Liberty Ampoff, founder and creative principal of fashion media company Manic Metallic. Once a week, we'll bring you episodes about exciting things happening in fashion, discussion about current things facing the industry, and the places and people that have made the fashion industry great. We'll have a mixture of episodes with guest interviews and solo episodes, all designed to challenge your assumption of what fashion is, who it is for, and who can participate in this industry. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at the Metapathology Podcast and at Metapathology. We'll link in our show notes. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the second episode of season three of the Metapathology Podcast. I'm Liberty, your host. In this episode, we're going to be talking to one of my favorite Gen Z people, Tina Demkowska, better known as the other Lagerfeld on her popular Instagram account. Tina is a Gen Z fashion critic from Macedonia that uses her Instagram account to write in-depth critiques that center around reviewing both current and past fashion collections and reviewing individual iconic looks. You can count on her assessments to be honest, but never unnecessarily vicious. Let's welcome Tina to the Manic Metallic Podcast. Tina, welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm very pleased to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. So give our listeners a summary in one to two sentences of what your involvement or interest is with fashion. Well, I am a fashion critic, although I do like to design some pieces myself. I write about fashion mostly through my Instagram. However, I also have worked with many magazines, both from outside of my country and inside my country, because I really like to connect with my country's fashion scene. Okay, that sounds good. So one thing that Manic Metallic has always been big on is basically the fact that fashion doesn't only exist in New York, London, Milan, or Paris. And we really do believe in getting involved in local fashion scenes, whether it's a town or a city, because that's a really important thing. So what is your city, actually, if you don't oh, mind don't my worry. asking? I come from Skopje. It is in North Macedonia. It is, I think most people don't know where it is because it's a very small country. It's right above Greece. So that's why we really don't have a massive fashion scene like all these countries. However, I believe if we unite together and try to push it in the world, we can really change fashion in some aspects. Okay, I actually have a question okay. about Skopje Fashion Week a little later on. Now, my next question. So I know that you're still in school, but if you could just give us a bit of an idea on your earlier life and how you became interested in the fashion industry, if, if your early life influenced you to be interested, and if you weren't interested in fashion early on, how did you become interested? Well, I feel like I was born with fashion, if that makes sense, and I've started my online journey pretty early on. I feel like I've always been interested in fashion, and that's just how it always has been and it will be. Ever since I was little, I was always obsessed and fascinated by everything people were wearing around me, by everything I was wearing, etc. And around the age of like 11, 12, I started getting more and more into fashion design. 
So that was a big moment for me because that's when I started first to discover about all these big designers and started to learn about fashion. And when quarantine hit, I was getting more and more in depth into fashion. And I found all of those videos online of people reviewing fashion shows or talking about fashion history, like Hot Le Mode or The Fashion Roadman, etc., etc., Bliss Foster, I don't know. So we really started learning more and actually finding a new passion, which I feel like I've grown to enjoy more than fashion design, which is fashion journalism and fashion criticism. And later on, when I was literally 14, right when I turned 14, I wanted to do something that was my own, just like these people were doing. And to maybe even have an opportunity to learn even more about fashion. So I opened up my Instagram page. And at first I wanted, I adapted their types of contents, which were videos on fashion, into texts. Mainly because I didn't want to show my face or my voice online. Since I was really scared of cyberbullying. But after a while and after gaining so much support and confidence, I just am pushing my page. And actually showing everything, like my face, name, etc. See, uh, one thing I know that you were one of the original followers of Manic Metallic when we really got up and going about a couple of years or so ago. And so <laughs> I've actually got to watch your account grow and grow over the past couple of years. And now... The other logger phone, your account, has over 16,000 followers. And so that's been really cool to see your audience expand and people seem to be enjoying what you're putting out. Now, you said one way that you became interested in fashion is that you started to watch videos of other fashion commentators talking about fashion reviewing collections, etc. Now, I do have a question about that. I feel like when you look at a lot of these fashion commentators online and I could be very wrong here I mean let me know what you think but it seems like a lot of them are men and I can't quite wrap my head around that since fashion is an industry that is primarily selling to women I know there's like menswear out there and a lot of it really good but it primarily sells to women so why are most of the people talking about fashion men what do you think Yeah, I agree. I feel like most of fashion people, as you said, are male. I believe that being a male is a lot different than being a female in this type of industry. And it may sound rough, but I just feel like people, especially men which are interested in fashion, would like to hear another male speak about it rather than a female. And also when you're a female, I've felt a lot more pressure when I go to different, I don't know, when I'm a guest to different lives or podcasts or videos about the way you look or the way you speak. I feel like people have a lot more to say about it. And that's why I believe many women are getting that sort of idea. And that's why they don't want to simply dip their foot into this type of water, which is fashion commentary. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. But one thing on the flip side, I noticed that a lot of fashion journalists that are in the industry right now, fashion critics, 
you know, myself included, I notice that a lot of them are women, but a lot of the online commentators of men. So I just think that's a really interesting dynamic there, interesting point of comparison. Yeah, well, it's different when you're doing your fashion commentary as your own, because let's say I'm someone who's posting content either on YouTube and Instagram, podcasts, Spotify, whatever. I'm working for myself, basically. So I'm like the name of the company and people would come to hear me. Well, as if you're a fashion journalism who works for different magazines, people are often attracted more to the name of the magazine rather than the name of the journalist. And that's why I feel like people who are reading some articles sometimes don't even know if a male or a female has written the article since the name is at the bottom and they would just read it because of the magazine. Exactly. And I know that when I was getting ready to create Manic Metallic a couple of years ago, we're an LLC now, and mm-hmm. I know that I specifically wanted to create a company, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of them being that I wanted it to be more about the work and the brand itself, rather than yeah. people coming to hear me write about this or me speak about that. And while... I don't mind that. I know that we're in an era where personal brand is super important. I think that at a certain point, people that are involved in the creative profession want themselves and their output to be valued for the work that they put in instead of just who they are. I agree with that. I mean, with everything that you said, I agree with. Now, can you talk a bit about just how you... I know that you've already touched on it a bit, but... How did you get to the point of forming the other Lagerfeld? Why Instagram, let's say, as opposed to Twitter or Facebook or or TikTok? How did you come specifically to doing the type of work that you're doing right now? And why did you choose the platform that you chose? Well, as I mentioned before, I was really watching all these fashion YouTubers and I wanted to do something like that but as I mentioned as well I didn't want to show my face so I figured that the best way to still give my thoughts to people and to kind of do a similar thing as the people I grew up watching was to write my words basically and when it came to which platform well Instagram was something that I feel like us teenagers, especially in my region here in the Balkans, are using the most. And it was just the easiest platform to use, which also has the features to post, to upload photos, to upload texts and captions, to upload stories, so I could really connect with other people, you know. Okay, yeah, I know that with Instagram these days, a lot of people are predicting its demise. Like, oh, Instagram's dying, everyone's going over to TikTok, or... Or just social media is dying in general and we should all create newsletters or websites or whatever. What do you have to say about that? Do you think that Instagram's dying or social media in general or what are your thoughts? I feel like social media is something that we are grown into and the new generations don't know life before social media. So I feel like social media, at least in our lifespans, will never die since we're so much addicted of it and i feel like it may change shapes you know how facebook was the biggest thing then instagram then tiktok and i feel like us content creators just have to adapt to all these new social media changes and even if let's say dies well it was meant to be and 
we should just do what makes us happy. If writing on Instagram makes us happy, I feel like we should do that. If doing lives on Twitter makes us happy, we should do that, etc. That makes sense. I know that for Manic Metallic being a company, what we're doing is we started off being heavily tilted towards social media and also our article writing. And while we're still doing our article writing and a bit of social media here and there, Instagram, TikTok, etc., I know that we're not closing anything out, but we're expanding to newsletters and podcasts and things like that. So I don't think that it's necessarily a matter of not using social media anymore, but you just have to expand the tools that you're using because that's what all of these things are, even a website, they're tools to get our message out. Yes, I feel like every single creator, it doesn't matter if it's just fashion critics or fashion journalists like me and you, I feel like as a whole, content creators, no matter what platform they're publishing their content, should expand into different platforms and to connect with more people since that is the easiest and most logical way for people to have more listeners or more readers, etc. It's a way to grow and expand. Yeah, definitely. So... I've got a few fashion topics that I'm interested in talking about here. And we may or may not get to all of them. The first thing I want to talk about is the unfortunate passing of Vivian Westwood on, I believe it was December 29th. And that was super sad to me. And I know that you're a big fan of her work from what I've seen from your posts. So talk a bit about Vivian's impact on you and your interest in fashion. Well. I feel like Vivian, even though she had a massive impact on the industry, and I feel like she will continue to always have that sort of impact, she also had a very impact on me as someone who was learning in fashion and was growing into it. I feel like she was the one who showed me that even if you're a female, you can always fight for what's yours, for your rights. She showed me that sometimes whatever you think, even though it may be controversial, I should just say it and get it off my chest because sometimes it may help to change the world. And she kind of showed me a pathway because I was really reading a lot about her and her career. How to explain it? To always basically listen to my mind. And that's from her I got all this courage to start the page and to really always speak my mind, obviously with different facts and to state it as an opinion, not something to change other people's opinions, but to be able to have the courage to say what was on my mind about everything in terms of fashion. And that is a really important effect to have on women generally, but especially younger women that are coming up not only in fashion right now, but in the world. I feel like we're at this really weird point where We've had, at least in the United States, we've had three waves of feminism now. And so there's this mindset that women can do everything that men can do. But at the same time, there are these other ways that society looks at women like, you know what? Yes, you can do everything, but we also don't want to hear your opinions on this. And we're going to look at the work that you're doing, but also we're going to criticize your appearance while we're looking at the work that you're doing. and. And so to have someone like Vivian Westwood come along and just be like, you know what, I'm going to design the type of 
work that I want to design, even if it offends some people, I'm going to be a big activist for topics that I believe in. And I just think that's a really important thing for all women, but younger women, especially. To stay true to ourselves, no matter what. And that's what I really respect because even after a while, uh, even before she made her own brand, just when she was starting out with McLaren and had their sex shop, the name of the shop, she kind of made a name for herself, yet she didn't stop there. She still continued to change fashion, to evolve as a designer, and to most importantly, have all these opinions and state them through her fashion, which later on, I believe, were pretty important in order to view some topics like the LGBTQ community or feminism as they are today. Yeah, again, her effect on fashion can't be underestimated, to be sure. So next thing I want to get into, we're at the beginning of 2023 right now. We're 10 days in to be exact. What kinds of things that you think that we're going to see this year in terms of fashion? So if you could give me one trend that you think we'll see and also one prediction for the overall fashion industry. All right. So I have a few predictions. First, I believe, which is I think the biggest thing, I see the Y2K trend being totally out. It is on its way out right, right now at the end of 2022. But I feel like in 2023, it will be completely out and all those pieces which were the biggest trends will come back to the thrift stores, which I can't wait to see because to me that is like the ugliest trend we've ever had. And I feel like we agree on that. Yeah. All right. Now, what about the overall fashion industry? Do you think that the industry is going to do anything differently or do you think that certain design houses are... Well, I mean, I think that the flow of fashion with the crisis and with very small brands because of the COVID pandemic were, you know, shutting up. I feel like right now in this year, this year is going to be a year of stabilization. And I believe in this year, when it comes to the smaller brands and designers, they will work to basically keep their business in profit and later on expand it as much as they can in terms of doing crazy and avant-garde stuff and exploring with fashion. However, when it comes to the bigger brands, which have been stable throughout the entire crisis, I can see them just doing their own thing as we see them every season, season after season. However, I feel like this year we're going to get more sustainability in fashion, which is very important. And I feel like we're going to see less printed magazines and more just online magazines popping out everywhere. So I have mixed feelings about that. I became interested in fashion off of printed magazines, Mm -hmm. as I'm sure that a lot of people born 90s and before did. And I like printed things, like printed magazines, printed books. But at the same time, I have to realize that Manic Metallic started as an online publication. And even though we're a full-fledged media company now, we're not just an online publication anymore, we're a full-fledged media company, we did start online. And so if more people want to do that, and they want to move away from print media, I suppose that I'm in no position to complain about that personally. 
Yeah, well, I feel like although print to me is better because you see the pictures, you see the text, you see everything right 3D in front of you, you know. Online magazines are a lot easier, especially in my country, where I cannot go to any kiosk and buy Vogue or Allure or Glamour or any of those big magazines because we don't have every single issue. And if they ship here, they ship like a couple of them and they're very overly expensive. So it's always easier for people like us to go online and read our fashion news. So that's why I believe that the online fashion magazines are becoming more and more popular because more people can reach them. That makes total sense. So fashion is going to continue becoming a global industry. And yeah, it is. I mean, it's not going to just stop tomorrow. Then we have to make it easier for people in places that aren't named London or New York to get really good fashion news. Yeah. And something else that you touched on sustainability, and I do think that we'll be getting more of that. Now, my thing that I wonder is what kind of sustainability? I mean, I hope that, because I feel like over the past couple of years, we've had Mm -hmm. a lot of conversation around sustainability. And I think that it's mostly been conversation. I don't feel like much real change has been made. And I know that there has been a lot of research into sustainable fabrics. And I actually feel like that's probably one of the biggest areas of advancement for fashion over the past couple of years. But I feel like the industry has done a whole lot of talking and not a lot of doing. So I do hope that that changes for 2023. Yeah. And I feel like uh, what is really messed up is that some brands use sustainability as a way to attract more people in and some bigger brands sometimes do one sustainable collection and to attract all these people and then just stop and you can see that they are not putting as much effort however at least hope if not feel like this year things are going to change and more and more brands are going to start to go fully green not just for one single collection since right now i mean we've discovered so many new sustainable fabrics which are becoming easier and easier to transport and to make into pieces garments right yeah i think that we again will hopefully be getting more and more things that are done and they are real change instead of just a lot of conversations so I want to, I mean, I've got a lot more to say about sustainability, but I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast. So I'm going to just go to the next question. So you put up a couple of posts relatively recently about being invited to Sculpia Fashion Week. And since I don't don't have much familiarity with your city, could you tell me a bit about that scene, the fashion scene there and the designers? Oh, well, although I'm also pretty new at the scene I've had the pleasure to have already know some people who are guiding me through my fashion ways and telling me all the fashion secrets I even had the opportunity to go to that exact event the fashion weekend to even go backstage and see how things were running which was a very big moment for me I can tell you that our fashion scene may be very very small and our country may not be how, like giving enough money into art as a whole. 
However, I can see that people here were going through a period where fashion and arts and music were dead for a really long time. However, now people are being very enthusiastic about fashion. And although that event in particular was literally held in a corridor in a mall, it was made to look like it wasn't absolutely held in a corridor. And I was talking with one of my right now very good friends in the industry who has worked not just in our industry, however, in, he has worked in New York, in LA, in Canada, everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And we're just talking about how we should even be thankful that we still have enthusiasts that are pulling strings to hold all these fashion events because here it's very difficult. That's why I believe that our industry is getting stronger and stronger. And when it comes to the designs, they don't have very big budgets, but I believe that they're still making things work. I obviously have a lot of things when it comes to commenting on them, but as a whole, I feel like our designers are some of the strongest in the world for still having that passion to design season after season, even if people here don't have the habit of shopping from local designers. Yep. I feel like that is something that when I've researched alternative fashion capitals, when I create a fashion ebook for my Manic Metallic, it seems like that's a common thing where yeah. you have these extraordinary local designers. They're really, really good, really creative, but people tend to, in certain cities, like to shop for international work. And I'm not sure why that is. I'm saying, why wouldn't you want to support the people in your own backyard? <laughs> well, to be honest, I feel like it's all a habit. And what I really like about our scene right now is that people who are big in our scene, like organizers of all of these big events, are pushing the events through social media and the designers so they can make a habit for these people to purchase from them. And I can see kind of like a change when it comes to that. I feel like more people are even finding it very cool if you purchase from our designer rather than fast fashion, for example which is very encouraging and I feel like if we keep this work up right now, we can really become a stronger fashion capital. Excellent. And I feel like a lot of the energy that is in the fashion industry right now is coming from a lot of the, what people call smaller fashion capitals, but I hate that because it's like, you're not smaller, you're just not New York, London, Milan, or Paris. Yeah. I think that I think that a lot of the energy in fashion is coming from these alternative fashion capitals. And one thing that I noticed, let's say about New York City, since it's the closest one to me, I actually feel like a lot of the energy has been seeping out of New York for a while. And I wouldn't go so far as to say that New York City's dead like a lot of people, because mm-hmm. I've always loved New York. I've got a soft spot inside of myself for it. But I feel like a lot of the creative energy has been seeping out of it and you know, various reasons for that. I think part of it being that New York's a media and a finance capital. And I think that that has an effect on creativity, but yeah, I think that if we can start supporting other fashion capitals like Skopje or let's say Amsterdam or places like that, I think that fashion is going to be better off. No, I agree. And why I think this is, even if they're designers from capitals which aren't, you know, New York, London, Paris, right. anyway, I feel like they have so many new things to bring to the table. Let's say 
a month back, I went to this collection, which was a collab between a Dutch designer and our school for fashion. And they had some of the most amazing couture, high-tech pieces I have ever seen, even on those big scenes. I just feel like people need to be interested more in those smaller designers and brands which aren't necessarily from the big fashion cities. And that is the key to evolve the industry because right now I feel like the industry is getting extremely repetitive when it comes to the big brands because we see similar things every season, yet there are all of these new designers which can bring so much new things to the table only if we give them the platform. Definitely. Again, that's why we did alternative fashion capital. I actually really enjoyed your series and I feel like after reading it through and through, that's when things became a lot brighter to me about all these fashion capitals things. Excellent. I mean, I'm I'm glad that helped you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I mean, our... Our goal was to give some kind of spotlight to these 20 places. And I know that there are many more than 20 places out there that have a fashion scene, but I think that it was important to at least get that conversation started with people. Yeah, yeah. So next thing I'm going to ask, I've got two more topics and then I'm going to hop on to a few other questions about you. Mm -hmm. So... Dior is, I know it's a big brand. It's probably been talked about into the ground, but let's talk about Dior for a minute. What's wrong at Dior? Because I feel like ever since the Galliano era ended, you know, I, I love Galliano's Dior. I feel like there was so much history behind it, so much fantasy, so much beautiful design. And then we get this next era of Dior in here. and. While I'm proud of Maria Grazia Curie for being the first ever woman to head Dior, mm-hmm. and I don't want her to fail, I, I just think it's boring. It's missing something. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It absolutely is boring. Sorry if I cut you off, but I just had to say that. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's okay. Go ahead. No, but... I mean, she has already been a Dior for so long and we can see that she just cannot deliver good collection. The only thing that was solid, not even amazing, was that Circus collection back in the early 2010s. And that's it. We just haven't seen any originality in either of her haute couture or ready-to-wear. So I just hope that they will switch her for some better designers since Dior is one of the oldest houses and has such interesting heritage which can be expanded with all these new ideas and techniques to look absolutely breathtaking yet we're getting the same boring Parisian girl aesthetic. Right and one thing that I I wonder if they're afraid to fire her because she is the first ever female to head Dior and they're afraid of a PR crisis in that way. But it could also be the fact that they're still making money. They're still making a lot of money from, I don't know if it's necessarily from her clothing. I think that a lot of it's like bags and accessories, but still they're okay financially. So I feel like if they want to keep their first ever female designer at the head. No, I I don't think they're keeping her because of the controversy because they can find another female designers if they care about. Right. I feel like they only care, these big brands and corporations only care about the money and simpler clothes sell better. So that's why I think they're keeping her. 
Right. Well, it's really unfortunate for Dior because I feel like there are so many good independent designers out there that could take over in a home. But let's hop to the last thing. What do you see as happening with Gucci this year in the wake of Alessandro Michele's departure? Oh, well, to be honest, I feel like Alessandro had a pretty good era at Gucci, but this past few years, I mean, Alessandro really actually made Gucci one of the top brands in the world. I agree. It wasn't just about the collection, it was also the genius marketing, which may not only be Alessandro's thing, but I associate it to his era, because Gucci really became the only brand people were interested in talking about. And people who weren't interested in fashion were learning about it, which is a very legendary thing to do. However, these past few years have gotten really repetitive with his work and the 70s motives and all that. So I'm kind of excited to see what will be next for the house since I feel like it needs some fashion exploring and experimentation. That's definitely true. And I wasn't necessarily a big fan of the Mikle aesthetic. It's just not my style, but that's unimportant because a lot of other people liked it. But one thing that I always admired about his work at Gucci is the fact that I feel like he was a master storyteller. And I feel like if you can tell a good story along with the work that you're creating, then that's pretty magical. It's going to pull a lot of people in. And I think that that's what he really succeeded at doing. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the only thing that I really admire about him because just like you, I'm not really into that aesthetic. All right, so the next thing that I want to talk about is your work. What is something that you are currently working on right now within fashion that is exciting to you? That can be any sketches, any designs, or any collabs with people potentially. Oh, well, right now I'm expanding to launch my own podcast. It's exciting. Yeah, it's actually really exciting because I feel like it is a way to have a lot more content in one place rather than putting it in multiple posts. It's easier for people. Plus, I can have guests and all that, just like you're having me. Maybe I can have you on my podcast. That'd be awesome. (laughs) So that's really exciting. I mean, I'm also dipping my foot a lot deeper in fashion industry when it comes to actually being invited to all these fashion shows and events and making connections and friends in the industry so I can see how things are actually running and produce better posts with even more knowledge. So that is the most exciting thing to me right now. Right. So for people listening to this episode, you said that you're getting into networking and making connections in the industry. Do you have a couple of pieces of advice specifically for how to do networking and how to get into connecting with people in fashion? I feel like the most important thing is confidence. And even if you know someone and know how big of a fashion designer, influencer, whatever they are, I feel like they're, you know, normal people at the end of the day. You can just go meet them, say hi. It's not a big deal. Even if they roll your eyes at you, don't feel bad about it. One may roll your eyes. The other one may actually be your friend, which you will find crazy (laughs) after a while. But just be natural and actually try to make friends or introduce yourself. It's not a big deal. That's an important thing to keep in mind. The fact that 
the people that are behind these brands, no matter how big and famous that they are, these people are still people. They're not gods. And so they're one thing that I found also is that a lot of people, not everyone, you've got some bad apples out there, but a lot of people are more than willing to at least give you the time of day. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? It's very nice, even if you're a very big creator or something, for someone to come up to you and say, hey, I love your work, you're still going to feel amazing afterwards. So share that thoughts with people. You shouldn't be scared. Exactly. So you mentioned that you're going to be starting a podcast soon. Tell everyone what a Tina-run podcast is going to entail. Like, what are you looking to do with the podcast? Well, I already have some trial runs, which I posted on my Patreon. And my podcast is just like my posts. I am someone who is very energetic and likes to talk a lot. So my podcasts are very talkative. I go through many subjects which are similar to my posts from fashion history to fashion criticism when it comes to new collections, to giving fashion advice, and it's always based on my personal opinion. So it's just as if me and all of my listeners are out for a coffee and I'm just talking my normal fashion talks, you know, (laughs) as I do on my Instagram. I feel like that aesthetic is really important these days. It's really popular. The idea that you don't want to talk at people like you're lecturing them you want to talk to them as if you're having a conversation or as you mentioned that you're out for coffee and you're talking because I think that one of the big things these days is that people want to interact with and listen to creators and companies that are more accessible to them I think that people are tired of this era of these certain fashion people are experts and everyone else is just looking up at them Yeah, and I mean, even if you're very successful with your fashion career, I feel like connecting with people is really important because fashion is a type of thing which is creative and which, okay, it requires some knowledge, but it's not like being a doctor or a mathematician when everything is has a way of doing things. So connecting with people is very important so you can see all of these ways of making a garment, a lot of these points of view of a specific piece. And it really gives you more of a dimension when you're talking about it. Exactly. So give us an idea of the overall direction. Doesn't matter what sector you want to talk about, but give us an idea of the direction that you would like to see the fashion industry head in for 2023. Oh, well, I would like to see it head in an interesting and not boring direction. I would like to see brands pushing their boundaries and experimenting more, which, I mean, obviously experimenting does cause some irregularities when it comes to their money making and budgets and all that but in a perfect world i feel like brands should really experiment with it i feel like brands should become more inclusive and i feel like we need to find a way for people like me let's say normal people to be more and more involved in fashion and to have a bigger say in the industry since that's like the way to shape it for what everyone wants, not only those big names in it. Yeah, that's a really big thing with the industry. More people have to be able to have that seat at the table to determine that direction of fashion if we want it to remain an industry that not only has a bunch of energy behind it, but that people are 
actually interested in. I mean, if you think about it, there's so many reasons right now to look away from fashion. I mean, look at the climate change crisis and economic crises across the world. And then you've got the war against Ukraine. You have all of these things pulling at our attention. And so I think that what fashion has to do is make sure that more and more people can be involved so that people don't just turn away from them. I agree. And I feel like social media plays a massive role in the new era of people getting more involved is happening. Right. And I think that for all of the negative things that social media has been blamed for, some of it justified, some of it not. I do think that one of the best parts about it is that more people can be involved. Yeah, definitely. We're about to wrap up. So we got a couple more questions here. Could you give one piece of advice for people wanting to join the fashion industry or otherwise be involved in fashion? I know that you talked earlier about networking, connecting, but do you have anything else? Well, I feel like just don't be afraid to show your work and to connect with more people because that's something I personally regret is being scared to launch my fashion profile and writing and all that because of what others have to say. And once you overcome that, you're going to feel so much freer and your art will get all of the good things that it deserves. Yeah, that is important because if we are constantly sitting back and thinking, oh, what's everyone going to think about me before you put out anything creative or anything at all, then it's never going to get out there because people are always going to have their opinions. And there are going to be people that think negatively about what you're doing, but what about the, whether it's one person or a million people, what about the people that would think positively about it that you can impact? So I think that you have to think that way instead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So one thing that I like to ask all of our guests, since a lot of Medic Metallics listeners are proportionally anyway from Europe and Asia and Africa, you know, we have a pretty international audience, Mm -hmm. but of course we have a lot of Americans. So one thing that I like to ask guests on the podcast is to give everyone three recommendations, whether that's a fashion designer or a fashion boutique or a fashion concept store, whatever have you. Give everyone three recommendations for places that we should shop or people that we should shop from, like designers from your town or city. All right. So first, I'll have to talk about Mariana Yosifoska. I have been to two of her shows and the last one simply blew me away. I wrote a very big post on it. And what I really like about her as a designer, that she always, whatever I have to say about her work, even the negative comments, she takes it, she's thankful for that, and she tries to improve her work and listen to her audience. And plus, especially the last show was so creative and something which I've never even seen on the global market on all of these big brands come up with, not just creative-wise, but also the way that pieces were constructed. I also have to talk about Blanca Nakova. She has two brands. One is Minimal by her, by Nana, and one is Nana Tire. One of their brands, which is called Minimal, has all of these simply adorable mini dresses and tops and skirts. It's a very playful brand. I feel like everybody should check it out. She even has a store which is decorated so creatively with colorful walls and the pieces are so simple yet so effective i mean they are very unique pieces 
However, her other brand also has those unique silhouettes and unique fabrics, which are, I know her personally, and I know that her pieces are very high in quality. However, this other brand is a bit more serious with a bit more formal attire, etc. And the last designer I feel like everyone should check out. He's actually based in Australia. However, his parents are, from what I've learned about him from Macedonia and they moved a couple of decades ago to Australia. That's why his work is based there. He's Tony Michaski. Uh, he's a bit more popular. You may have heard of him. And I, also I love his work. Yeah, I've, I post a lot of his work on my stories. He has some of the best hot couture, I feel like, in the world right now. And his fashion techniques and fashion construction is just next level. I hope I will get the chance to meet him one day because I'm a massive fan of his work. Same here. When I found out about Tony, when mm-hmm. I was creating the profile for Melbourne for Alternative Fashion Capitals. I came across his work and I thought, wow, this is definitely someone that should be getting a lot more attention than he is. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like his work is mind-blowing. And I would also actually, we were talking about Dior, and I feel like seeing how he would portray Dior and Dior's heritage, I feel like that should be a very interesting combination. I could see that, actually. <laughs> yeah. That would be very interesting because he also likes to do these feminine dresses and drapings, just like Dior, but in a more modernized way. So combining these two worlds could be very interesting. Yep, let's put that out there in the universe. Tony <laughs> for Dior. Hopefully somebody's listening. So we are at the end now. And I want to give you a chance to... If you want listeners to find you online or if you've got anything that you'd like to put out there for them that you'd like for them to go and do, yeah, just give that to us now. Well, I hope any of you listeners would give my page a quick checkout. You can find me by the other Lagerfeld on Instagram. That's my online name and I hope you like my content and that we all with Liberty can hang out together on another occasion as well. Yeah, that, w- that would be really, really awesome. So I will put that in the show notes along with those three recommendations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thanks for being on, Tina. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. I hope everyone is having a great day and that we brighten up everyone's day. I hope you are having a great day as well and can't wait to have you to talk one day soon. Let's say my podcast or something. I love this, talking with you. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do some other kind of collab coming up in the near future here. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Tina. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you got value out of today's episode, it'd mean a lot to me if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to the Manic Metallic Podcast. Be sure to tell all of your fashion-inclined friends and co-workers about the podcast as well. This would really help us to spread our message about fashion being an art, discipline, and force for societal change. And don't forget to stay in touch with us by subscribing to the Manic Metallic newsletter and following us on Instagram. Feel free to reach out to us through either of those means. I'd love to hear from you. I'll link these all in the show notes. You're the best. See you next episode.